we think the office, physical office, is great for all three of those things, for culture, for you know, visibility and support, and for collaboration. But we just think that most of that can get done, you know, more cheaply in Kumo space, and you don't have to, you know, hold on to that really expensive lease in order to do it. You're listening to the Deal Closers podcast, brought to you by WebsiteClosers.com, a show about how to build your e-commerce business to be profitable, scalable, and one day even sellable. I'm Isaac Porter, and on the show today, we have Brett Martin, who will give us some tips on how to create a company culture, even if you're operating in a virtual world. Brett is the co-founder and president of Kumo Space, a platform that provides virtual offices and event spaces where remote and hybrid teams collaborate and connect. As many offices have decided that their teams need to come back into the office, there's been quite a bit of resistance from the workforce. Brett feels like he has come up with a compromise and the market agrees. He recently completed a $21 million Series A fundraising. uh, And for many of us in e-commerce, we really don't work from an office anyway, and we have no intention to. But what we do struggle with is camaraderie and finding connection with um, the people on our teams. So let's find out what we can do about that issue. Hey, Brett, how you doing? Thanks for being on the show. Isaac, pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to, excited to be here. Yeah, man. Awesome. Tell us a little more about Kumo Space. Yeah, well, you know, Kumo Space is just like a real office, but but virtual. It's a, it's a place where teams, remote and distributed hybrid teams, they show up to work every day. So the way people use Kumo Space is they turn it on in the morning around nine o'clock. We've got a team around 30 people and around, well, we're mostly engineering. So around 10 o'clock in the morning, people just come filtering in. Uh, They, you know, you are, your avatar is your video. And uh, there's a bunch of different rooms in, you know, what looks like a virtual office. looks like a kind of two-dimensional floor plan of a space and there's different conference rooms, different personal offices. And, you know, you'll, if you came into our office, you would see 30 people, all some working together, some working alone, you know, different conversations in different places. And you can just drop right in and, and listen to a presentation and participate or tap someone on the shoulder if, if you need help uh, getting unstuck from something. So the goal is really to create a place where teams can be teams, where they can work together, where they can connect, they can have light moments, they can uh, share information and they can, you know, joke around just like, just like they do in, in a real office. Yeah, got it. So I'm using Zoom a lot for meetings that we've got scheduled. You know, the nature of the work that I do is um, we work with companies all over the world. We've got buyers all over the world. So there's a lot of these kind of you know, we have a meeting at two o'clock and we'll send out a Zoom link. I think what I find to be kind of annoying about Zoom is that, you know, if I want to get on a, on a call with my business partner or, you know, one of the guys on, on our team, I've kind of gotten to go through that whole formal process of, you know, sending out an invite link, selecting a time, getting them, you know, so is, is Kumo space more spontaneous than that? Does it allow kind of um, you to just connect with people in real time or like, h- how do you differentiate it against, you know, some of the competition like Zoom or Teams? It, it is exactly that. Is it about spontaneous, unstructured sort of conversations? And one of the, one of the core problems that we saw is that you might have, 
let's say you have a pretty, you know, company's doing well, right? You may have a hundred people working at your company, let's say, but let's say it's fully distributed and they're all in Zoom all day, right? Different meetings, but you have no concept of that. Like, sure, you might be able to see other people's calendar, but you're never just going to drop in into the marketing meeting. You know, let's say if you work on the engineering team, you're never just going to just drop into the marketing team Zoom unannounced, right? You know, they, they would look at you and say, you know, in the waiting room be like, you know, why is Isaac in the waiting room, right? Uh, whereas in Kumo space, you know, you, it's, it's essentially like a networked video chat, right? So everyone is on, you know, Kumo space all day having different conversations and everyone else can see that. Everyone else can see who's talking to who. You can check out their presentation. You can, you know, if you need help with something, you just tap them on the shoulder. So, you know, my marketing team is constantly just rolling into my office, asking a quick question and rolling out. And so, you know, we try to solve a couple of problems. One is, you know, the friction of scheduling, right? Which is what you talked about. The other is the wasted time. You know, when people schedule a meeting, they feel the obligation to spend a full 30 minutes or an hour talking when in reality, I hate a that. lot of times. I, I totally hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I try to, I try to schedule everything in like five minute blocks if I can, but most calendars only allow me to break it down to 15, but yeah. Exactly. Like, like a twenty-minute meeting is often more than enough, right? You end up with a thirty-minute meeting, and then you're just wasting ten minutes. Just wasting time, right? And so you spend more time scheduling the meeting than you do actually fixing the problem. And you know, I think the alternative is people might say, "Oh, well, what about Slack or what about chat?" And look, you know, chat's important. Asynchronous communication is important. Uh, a lot of you know remote companies that are work remote, like rely heavily on asynchronous communication. They have a strong writing culture and so do we. But what we've found is that you waste a lot of time on Slack too, right? You waste a lot of time back and forth. Hey, are you there? Oh, uh, you know, miscommunication, right? When in reality, just a quick synchronous chat would actually solve a lot of problems. And so it's a scheduling problem, but it's also that connection problem of like feeling like you're not, you're part of the team. You're not just working from home in isolation. Yep. Gotcha. That's kind of a good lead into my next question. So we, we work with companies, as I said, that are all over the world. You know, I've got just kind of an example case in point. We're selling a, a US based digital marketing agency that's got um, about 50 employees and, you know, they're dispersed in like 20 states and six countries or something like that. So how do you build a culture when you've got this disparate workforce that maybe is never going to actually meet each other in person, potentially? It's funny you say that because actually digital agencies are one of our primary, like that's one of our core sets of customers. Yeah, we see we have a lot of agencies in Kumo space. And we think that's because agencies, one, they have a lot of uh, they tend to be distributed. Two, they have a lot of project-based work. So they have to kind of form teams, new teams all the time. So you got to get up to speed. You got to meet a new team. You got to collaborate. You got to all get on the same page and align very quickly. You're not just doing the same work on the same project forever. And so we have a lot of companies like that on Kumo Space. And the way I have always defined culture is how do people act when you're not in the room? So when you're the founder and you're not in the room, how do people act? What Do they know what decision you, know, you think should be made and, and, do, and do they follow it? And so much of that is like 
by learned by being in the room at the same time, right? By seeing the founders' totally. decision making, by having yeah. you know being a, a flower on the wall and listening to you know exec team come up with things or popping in and, and getting mentorship, right? Yeah. So we think about you know so much of the learning that happens in the office is is ambient, right? It's just from being you know, close to people and learning from them. And so we try to provide that. So that, I think that's, that's the core. Now, then, of course, I think there's the ability to be distinct and be yourself, right? And if you think about Zoom, you know, it's a very infertile place to, to be, right? Like there's very little opportunity for self-expression, uh, in Zoom. And so it's very functional. It's very transactional. It's obviously a great product. It's You can be very productive in Zoom. But it, but the personalities of the people on it are, are quite muted um, when everyone's stuck in their Brady box. And so, you know, one of the big things about Kumo Space <laughs> Brady is box. The, the Brady box bunch. That's what we call it. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> right? Because it's hard to be human in there. And so we think, you know, one of the cool things I'll give you an example is, um, I also am a venture capital investor, charge VC. We do kind of pre-seed investing in, in New York City. And one of the companies from my first fund is called Geology. They're a uh, skincare, wellness, e-commerce subscription company. Now, when I, I invested pre-seed, it was just uh, Nick Allen, the founder. Um, now they're doing tens of millions in you know subscription revenue now. They've always been remote. Always been fully remote, always been super scrappy. E-commerce is a tough business. It's super thin margin. You got, even when you're selling cosmetics, you got to be really tightly close to it. And he was always remote. And so he actually started using Kumo Space. And his big thing is that it's a place for self-expression. So every everyone can decorate their own office in Kumo Space. Uh, my office is a beach. I got a beach chair. I got an umbrella. I got a, a little waves and I got ocean sounds going at all times. Which is funny because you know I'm here. That's kind of on the nose, right? From yeah. Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You, look, I got, I got to ask, ask you about the, uh, the the ice bag on the shoulder. What's uh, what what uh, happened? <laughs> uh, you know, I am uh, over forty now, and I'm surfing every morning, and my my body is doesn't quite re- recover as quickly as it, it does. As I've got two bump shoulders, and I just take turns alternate icing them. <laughs> it's worth it, though, right? It, it's worth it. Nothing like getting up at 5 a.m. surfing for a couple hours and being at your desk at 8 and then just crushing calls for the next 12 hours. It's, it's I don't know, it's the best for me. Yeah, uh, it sounds that sounds great. Sounds That sounds better than the Kumo Space uh, beach decorated office, but I think maybe that's the close second then. Well, you can have both. And so, you know, what I was going to say is like, I'm looking in your uh, house there. I like it. You got a good video set up. You got the guitar, you got the the deal closers poster, right? Got a little Zen picture on the wall. Like I get a sense of your vibe. I mean, Kuma space is the same thing. We just want to give people the opportunity to do that to their digital space that they spend all day. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it makes makes a lot of sense. Hey, what, what's it like to raise $21 million? How, uh, how did you kind of go through that process? And what are the plans for, for those funds? Yeah, um, well, we're really fortunate. We got great venture investors. Uh, Boldstar, which is a New York-based fund, led our seed. And then uh, Ed and Elliot over there, longtime friends. And then Paul Murphy from Lightspeed led the Series A. He's a 
entrepreneur himself, uh, worked at Betaworks in, in New York. And, you know, we just feel really fortunate to have such great investors. They are really got it. You know, our space is a crowded space. You know, there's a lot of people that see the opportunity to build better tooling for remote work. And, um, you know, to, to Paul's credit, he looked at 20 platforms that look kind of similar to Kumo Space. And he said, you know, actually, this is a different product. It feels different. It feels more human. It feels more native and easy to use. And so, you know, we're very fortunate to have such great partners. And I think that the big multi-stage VC funds like Lightspeed are, you know, investing in companies like Kumo Space because they just see a massive opportunity, right? If you look at the long-term trend line of people that work remote, it's just up and to the right. It looks like actually quite similar to the e-commerce, you know, percentage of commerce transacted online looks yeah. quite similar to that. Just, you know, a, a consistent march toward more e-commerce, toward more remote work. Obviously, the pandemic was a huge bump to that. Uh, but, you know, we think that over the long term, anything that can be done over the Internet will be done over the Internet. There's just too many advantages in terms of cost and distribution. And I and I think that you know desk work is is one of those things. <laughs> yeah. How about other use cases for Kumo Space? You know, could you see it as a tool for educators, uh, for facilitating collaboration for students, or even like a social media platform where you know you could check in on your friends and see what they're up to? Well, it's it's funny when we came up with Kumo Space, the initial idea came from it because for my for Charge Ventures, I used to throw a monthly networking event, and then when the pandemic hit, people said, "Well, it was a great source of deal flow. You know, you should bring it online." And I said, "You know, I don't want to make fifty of my friends endure watching me give a PowerPoint presentation on Zoom once a month. Like, <laughs> who wants to do that? You know, there's it's weird that there still wasn't a place where multiple different groups of people could have conversations in the same virtual space. And so that was a core insight. And so people actually do throw a lot of events in Kumo space. There's a lot of business events done in Kumo space. We've had, uh, you know, lots of conferences and workshops and we've had weddings and we've had funerals and we've had graduations. And uh, we, you know, actually... Columbia Business School was one of our first paid customers, the famous professor there, Todd Chick. He was the one, he said, we, he'd give us a contract as long as we built the ability to get a cocktail in Kumo Space. And so the uh, one of our most used features, the uh, ability to have a cocktail in Kumo Space is because of an education use case, interestingly. We let people use Kumo Space for a lot of those things. We just find that the work use case is probably the best business. It's consistent. People use it six hours a day. Actually, the average productivity user in Kumo Space is in Kumo Space six hours a day. So that's the one we focus on. Makes sense. So on your website, you quote a Stanford Business School study that found 22% more productivity from remote workers versus their in-office counterparts. Some employers probably would push back on that. Uh, For example, I know my, my wife is an attorney. She works at a fairly large law firm. They've got a big push to come back into the office. So wh- why why is that the companies are pushing that? I've seen a few articles in the Wall Street Journal recently kind of indicating the same, the same trend. And kind of how do you think about that? There's obviously value to in-person interaction, uh, but I think the default is remote. And I think that anything that can be done remotely, if it's a first meeting, a first sell, a first pitch, like it's going to be done remote. 
if you're going to be, you know, doing calls all day, you don't need to be in the office to do calls. If you're being, if you're locked in your office and not being social anyway, right? And if you look at the work that was done, there was crazy work and productivity done over the pandemic, right? So it's clear that you can be productive while remote. So there's something to being in office, but there, but it's not productivity. It's how we think about mm-hmm. it. And so what we think actually you're missing in the remote work, you know, the tooling like Zoom and Slack is uh, uh, three things, really. One is culture, which we talked about, which is the ability to, for people to build relationships with their coworkers, you know, have human connection, have, a, you know, a shared sense of purpose and mission and a way of doing things that you learn by being around other people all day. The second is, you know, visibility. I think I think a lot of these people that are bringing people back to the office is because they they're anxious. They don't know. They're not used to managing by outputs. They're used to like they don't know where their team is and what they're doing, right? And you might right. say that that's a okay, okay, boomer. You know, that's a micromanagement, a bad way of being. And I do think that doing it purely to have FaceTime is a bad idea. But where I think that there is a lot of value is in being able to see what people are doing and learn from them and also provide them support. So, you know, one of the problems with managing by outputs is, yeah, you don't know until the end of the period, right? You don't know until the end of the month if people are doing a good job or bad. And then, you know, by then a month has passed and then you have to go in and take, you know, corrective action. And so- Yeah, it's a backward looking major. Exactly. So, you know, one of the nice things about being more aware of what your team is doing and, you know, you can actually support them and help them early. And we see this a lot. The people who really suffer the most from remote work are actually the early career folks that need the mentorship. They need the tutelage. They need the FaceTime so they can actually build relationships, right? And so support is the second reason. And then the third reason is just collaboration, right? Like cross-departmental collaboration is probably one of the hardest things about working remote because everyone's siloed. Everyone's sitting at the desk all day. And if they don't have a reason to talk across departments to CS or to sales or marketing engineering, they're not going to. And so what you learn, what you have there is you have, you know, everyone's siloed and things don't really get aligned. And so we think the office, physical office is great for all three of those things, for culture, for, you know, visibility and support and for collaboration. But we just think that most of that can get done, you know, more cheaply in Kumo space and you don't have to, you know, hold on to that really expensive lease in order to do it. Yeah. I've, I've wondered personally if companies are motivated to get people back to the offices just because they do have leases. I think that's the driving factor. I mean, I think it's literally leases, some cost and anxiety from older managers that haven't figured out how to use technology to manage uh, well remotely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you're also an investor. You mentioned some of your VC background a couple times. I think uh, it, you know somewhere I saw that you've put money into over sixty companies. When you're looking at a potential investment in the e-commerce space specifically, what are a couple things you're looking for? What what drives value in your opinion, and how do you think about valuation in that space? So. First off, I want to say I just have deep respect for e-commerce entrepreneurs. I think it's one of the toughest industries uh, online. It's a do- it's a dogfight. The competition is brutal, and you have to run an incredibly tight ship. So I feel like, in terms of recruiting, uh, you know, 
people from e-commerce up, particularly ops or, you know, marketing. I'm just like, I have deep respect. I'm also, you know, cautious because like, it's easy to get started, but hard to really scale and grow. What we look for is, you know, differentiated experience, uh, something that, you know, can't be done uh, on, you know, in person or something that, you know, like really facilitates a new and novel way of doing it. I mean, so when we invested in geology, for example, you know, it started off as a men's skincare company. And, you know, the idea was men don't need one to spend, they, they're spending more time looking at their self on Instagram or on Zoom, but they, you know, they, they don't know how to buy. They're not, they're not going to, they're afraid to ask questions uh, in a store and they're probably going to CVS and picking something up. And so, you know, we solved a lot of problems by building a subscription, by building a quality product, by building a, a product line that serviced men and was adapted and personalized to them. And these are all things you could do online and you couldn't do in person. And the subscription model obviously is great. And, uh, and selling cosmetics is obviously high margin. So that's what, you know, we look for in e-commerce business. We, you know, once we also invested in a, a vaping company, which, you know, at the time we were thinking, okay, well, this is going to help, you know, reduce smoking. <laughs> so it was a, a you know, positive thought. And that was great. It was a niche industry. Other people weren't in it and it grew really fast. Now, ultimately it got, re- you know, regulated way because of some bad actors. But, you know, that's an example. If you have a really interesting niche that you can service in a unique way, like I think that's a, a great place to build an e-commerce business. That makes a lot of sense. So if if there's a call to action, you know, relative to, to what you're working on at Kumo Space, what would you want our listeners to take away from the conversation? I would just say, you know, for all the folks that are building remote distributed teams and you're looking for a way to keep your team connected, keep them motivated, have them work together more effectively, go check out Kumo Spaces, kumospace.com. You can try it for free. Get your office. You can personalize it. You can put your logo and branding on, you know, on it. You can invite customers. Uh, we actually have one of our e-commerce companies. They threw a product launch in Kumo Space. They invited all the partners. They invited a bunch of customers. And they you know, really had an interactive experience you know, that they could have never done you know, in person, they have customers from all over the world. So I encourage you to check that out. And, you know, if you're building a new, uh, you have a new concept uh, in the e-commerce space that you think is really novel and, you know, has a really big opportunity to be big, you know, feel free to hit me up. It's uh, brett at charge.bc and just mention the Deal Closed podcast and would love to hear from you. Awesome. So I think you have a podcast as well, Vibe Check. Yeah, we're always just trying to learn how people create amazing vibe and company culture uh, remotely. So I'm just really fascinated by rituals of successful companies, how they create a shared experience and a shared culture, shared vibe, and in particular doing a remote. So I'm also excited to hear, you know, if anyone's interested in that, tune in. We're about to drop a season. And, you know, if you're thinking about that a lot and you want to be on the show, we'd love to hear from you too. All right. That was Brett Martin from Kumo Space. You can find him at kumospace.com. That's K-U-M-O-S-P-A-C-E.com. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Deal Closers podcast brought to you by websitecloasers.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate us, write a review, press the follow button and share it with your network. 
And of course, if you're looking for help selling your e-commerce or technology business, be sure to visit WebsiteClosers.com. This episode was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Isaac Porter. Follow me on LinkedIn and we'll see you next time on the Deal Closers podcast.